Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of the Holy Family. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who were pleased to give us the shining example of the Holy Family, graciously grant that we may imitate them in practising the virtues of family life and in the bonds of charity. And so in the joy of your house, delight one day in eternal rewards. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Samuel. Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son and called him Samuel, since she said, I asked for the Lord for him. When a year had gone by, the husband Elkanah went up again with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow. Hannah, however, did not go up, having said to her husband, Not before the child is weaned, then I will bring him and present him before the Lord, and he shall stay there forever. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her together with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the temple of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was with them. They slaughtered the bull, and the child's mother came to Eli. She said, If you please, my lord, as you live, my lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the lord. This is the child I prayed for, and the Lord granted me what I asked him. Now I make him over to the Lord for the whole of his life. He is made over to the Lord. There she left him for the Lord. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy they who dwell in your house, O Lord. They are happy who dwell in your house, O Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord God of hosts. My soul is longing and yearning, is yearning for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my soul ring out their joy to God, the living God. They are happy who dwell in your house, O Lord. They are happy who dwell in your house, forever singing your praise. They are happy whose strength is in you. They walk with ever-growing strength. They are happy who dwell in your house, O Lord. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Turn your eyes, O God, our shield. Look on the face of your anointed. They are happy who dwell in your house, O Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Think of the love that the Father has lavished on us by letting us be called God's children, and that is what we are. Because the world refused to acknowledge him, therefore it does not acknowledge us. My dear people, we are already the children of God. My dear people, we are already the children of God, but what we are to be in the future has not yet been revealed. All we know is, that when it is revealed, we shall be like him. 
because we shall see him as he really is. My dear people, if we cannot be condemned by our own conscience, we need not be afraid in God's presence, and whatever we ask him, we shall receive, because we keep his commandments and live the kind of life that he wants. His commandments are these, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another as he told us to. Whoever keeps his commandments lives in God and God lives in him. We know that he lives in us by the spirit that he has given us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Open our heart, O Lord, to listen to the words of your Son. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Every year the parents of Jesus used to go to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was twelve years old, they went up for the feast as usual. When they were on their way home after the feast, the boy stayed behind in Jerusalem without his parents knowing it. They assumed he was with the caravan, and it was only after a day's journey that they went to look for him among their relations and acquaintances. When they failed to find him, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him everywhere. Three days later, they found him in the temple, sitting among the doctors, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his intelligence and his replies. They were overcome when they saw him, and his mother said to him, My child, why have you done this to us? See how worried your father and I have been looking for you. Why were you looking for me? he replied. Did you not know that I must be busy with my father's affairs? But they did not understand what he meant. He then went down with them and came to Nazareth and lived under their authority. His mother stored up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favour with God and men. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we back up the celebration of Christmas with the Feast of the Holy Family. Um, just happens to be an oddity of this year, right? Um, because Christmas was on a Saturday, the Sunday following Christmas is always the Feast of the Holy Family. That makes it the 26th this year. But I think it's kind of nice, actually, that as we contemplate Mary taking her son in her arms for the first time, and Joseph gazing upon his newborn son for the first time, that, you know, we look at them not just as, you know, sort of three holy individuals, but the three who come together in order to form one holy family. These three, they don't just happen to be side by side at this given point in time. They're together in a communion of love. Now, we don't have much insight into the life of Jesus, Mary and Joseph. So what can we say is the quality of their holiness? Now, you know, you can look at Jesus, the incarnate word of God, sinless, tick. Mary, immaculately conceived, without the stain of original sin and remaining sinless personally. Holy, yep, 
tick. Joseph, okay, admittedly the only sinner among them, but gee, wasn't he in a school of love? Holy, tick. They form one holy family. But we do get a privileged look inside this holy family in the gospel that we have today. We get a vignette, a kind of snapshot in this moment of the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. Now, at first, it seems a rather mysterious kind of event. Jesus remaining behind in the temple. And then it seems he's somewhat oblivious to the pain and anguish of Mary and Joseph. That, you know, the three days that they were looking for him, Jesus kind of shrugs his shoulders like, oh, what's the big deal? Well, scratch the surface of this story and you suddenly find that this event has incredible overtones of Jesus' suffering, death and resurrection that will happen in about 23 years' time exactly. Notice that it's the feast of the Passover. Now, we hear that the family's accustomed to going to Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover. So first off, they practice their faith. (laughs) And Jesus is being taught to practice his faith. The Passover was a pilgrimage festival. It was one of those three major feast days in the Jewish calendar when pious Jews would travel to Jerusalem, to the place of the temple. But remember, this practice of going to Jerusalem is, is bringing him to the place of his suffering, death and resurrection. Now, what's interesting is that the evangelist Luke draws a subtle connection between being lost and being dead. Do you remember the parable of the prodigal son that's given in Luke's gospel? Well, you'll remember that, you know, the older son who stays with the father and, you know, who grumbles at the return of his younger brother, is is told by his dad that, you know, it's necessary to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he is found. Well, we have Jesus lost in Jerusalem. And, And how long for? Did you notice? Three days just as long as he spent in the tomb. Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. Jesus being lost in the temple for three days is an allusion to his being in the tomb for three days. And so there's a subtle little note. Jesus says to his mother, Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be busy with my father's affairs? It sounds vaguely familiar to the account of the resurrection when the angel says to the women approaching the tomb on Easter Sunday morning, it's like, well, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He's not here, he's risen. These aren't accidental allusions to the resurrection. I suppose what we can see happening at this early stage is that God is preparing the Virgin Mary for that difficult time when she will need to spend three long days in the absence of her son after he has been laid in the tomb. But you know what? He's not lost. He's busy with his father's affairs. And what we see at this early stage as well is that Jesus' mission in life 
is to follow the Father's plan for him, to be busy with the Father's affairs. Even if it's in this, you know, sort of beginning seed form, the Father's plan is present already from this time onwards. So what do we see? A holy family. Not a family without suffering. I mean, notice how much Mary and Joseph struggle. It's not a family without suffering, but it's certainly a family that seeks to do the will of God, to be busy with the Father's affairs. Now, notice the other detail too. We're told that Jesus is 12 years old. That means that, you know, in, in modern Jewish terms, he's done his bar mitzvah, right? <laughs> he's, he's gone from boyhood to manhood, which means that he's now responsible for his own adherence to the law. If you like, mum and dad, they've looked after me, and now I look after myself. They've done the job in schooling me in the law, and now I'm responsible for it. He's mature as a man. So having taken on his own, personal responsibility, what does he do? Gets busy. Busy with the Father's affairs. And we can already see that he will be further busy with his Father's affairs as the echoes of being lost in the temple start to find their fruition when he dies upon the cross and is laid in the tomb. So in this very short instance, we, we're presented with Jesus who is faithful to the Father's plan. Now, notice Mary and Joseph. There's a tremendous lament, and, and we can only imagine what they were thinking, the agony that the two of them suffered. Son, why have you done this to us? There's, there's clearly a moment of incomprehension. I mean, Jesus doesn't seem to make it terribly easy on them. And yet, in the face of their incomprehension... What do we find? That Mary and Joseph, they're humble. They're open to the plan of God, even when they don't understand it. And it kind of rings true for Mary and Joseph, right? They've, they've shown this quality over and over again of loving trust in God. From Mary's trusting yes to the Archangel Gabriel at the Annunciation, to Joseph confidently taking Mary as his wife. They went down to Bethlehem, and from Bethlehem fled to Egypt, all at God's command, all at, let's face it, incredible personal cost of themselves. This life of the Holy Family isn't one that's comfortable or easy, but it's one of a loving yes to the plan of the Father. So there's a little vignette, a little icon, a little picture of the Holy Family. This constant yes to the Father, even when it's hard, even when Mary and Joseph don't understand, even when it leads to the cross. But what's the fruit of this constant yes? It's a Holy Family. So in our own family lives, it's not always perfect. It's not always easy. We don't always know exactly how things are going to pan out or why things are happening. But the secret to a holy family 
is the imitation of Joseph, Mary and Jesus. Being faithful to God and always open to his plan. Thanks for praying with us and may God bless you abundantly so that this day may give glory to God the Father.